All right. Hello. Welcome, Pathfinders, to the Find the Path podcast. Act, not an actual play. The Find the Path <laughs> podcast research check for the ancestry guy. Sorry, I'm pre-programmed to just immediately start launching into that. I mean, Ross and I brought characters, so we can we can yeah. go. Let's do oh, this. Okay. Well, our, our secret low key, everyone has made an ancestor from the ancestry grid. We've recreated the people from the cover. Uh, I went Android. I want to be the bug guy. So, well, of course, I'll uh, be a lizard folk. Sure. Yep. Uh, I am Rick Sandage. I am one of your hosts here. I'm joined by Jessica Jenkins, the esteemed Jessica Jenkins, oh, yes. and uh, Ross Scoggin, the enigmatic Ross Scoggin. <laughs> With his familiar. Yes, With his familiar. Uh, yes, Amelia has joined us as well. So. And Amelia. Mm-hmm. Our classic uh, our classic quartet of people here. <laughs> people and cats. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're here to uh, to continue our review series with uh, another wonderful new book out for the Lost Omens lines. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about Lost Omens Ancestry Guide. And I don't just say it's great because Luis is a wonderful person and we really appreciate him coming on and talking to us sometimes. He's not even here, so we can say whatever <laughs> we want. Sure. It's great because there's, you know, great stuff in it. Mm-hmm. It's great. <laughs> let's let's talk about it. Well, actually, before we get into this standard disclaimer, uh, we are partners, but we are not uh, affiliated with Paizo Incorporated. And so uh, that being said, this is a more our opinion piece and not necessarily like a strict book review. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I think we're supposed to mention that they did give us a preview uh, copy or at the very least a, a free PDF of it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that did not in any way sway our views. <laughs> True. Be as critical as we want to be. I got so, words. No, no, no. Yeah, I guess let's go ahead and uh, and get this going. So uh, we're going to be talking about this guy over here. Am I doing it? Uh, uh, that one. Yeah, yep. I think so. Right. That's the right way. Got the right direction. I've got my cameras all over the place. Well so uh, that is the ancestry guide. I it's like good. the cover. I like True. the cover. <laughs> it, well, I mean, I think it uh, really illustrates the sheer... I mean, diversity of all the different, ha, illustrate. I'm not even doing it anymore on purpose. (laughs) It just happens now. Um, But it does illustrate the uh, sheer diversity of all the different um, peoples that are within this book. Yeah. No, I I certainly agree. And uh, there are interesting choices for the cover. I mean, I love the I love the Android. I've had an opportunity oh, yeah. to play Android uh, very briefly in Starfinder, and for very briefly in uh, two books of Iron Gods. Mm-hmm. So the ans- the androids are very uh, Pathfinder Starfinder kind of exclusive race. They don't really there's not really an analog to it in Dungeons and Dragons or many other uh, D twenty mm. based games. And so I think that that's kind of coming out strong. And everyone is really excited about the sprites. So I'm not surprised they made the cover. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, it's by far one of the more unusual creatures that you can find in this book, but I mean, there's all sorts of uh, great, great uh, folk to play as in here. So Mm -hmm. that's true. So uh, I suppose let's just start. uh, Anybody, you have anything else to say about the cover? I like the lizard folk. I think he's cool looking. Oh, yeah. Oh, wait, is he wearing clothes? Uh, he's wearing, he's wearing more clothes. clothes. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's got a uh, he's got a little midriff exposure right there. He or she, he, I'm not positive. Which. They are the most clothed lizard folk in this book. No, I don't know. I don't know <laughs> if that's true. But I'm going. Uh, I'm going to assume he because uh, I think I'm using the vesk. I think also they bring that up that the the mels are more colorful. 
Maybe. than the females mm. because I think they're getting to that whole like natural world thing where the males have to be like impressive oh, yeah. and bright and colorful to impress the uh, the females. Like peacocks. So yeah, mm. like peacocks. Yeah, True. female peacocks are just a little sad looking. Mm. In comparison, they're not as fabulous. How's yeah. That? Yeah, fair. <laughs> so yeah, I don't really have much else to say about the cover other than the fact that I think it looks really good. But yep. to be mm-hmm. fair, I don't I don't know if Paizo really I think they should still get credit for it, but I don't think it's ever any surprise now that second edition covers look beautiful. True. Whoever true. their their new art team or you know, I think it's a lot of the same art people, but their art mm-hmm. team always knocks it out of the park and uh Yeah. Who did the cover of this? Ekaterina Burmack. I've heard that mm-hmm. name a couple of times. I think she does a lot of the Lost Omens covers. She does. Well, she does uh, good work. She does yeah. phenomenal work. So yeah, shall we? Uh, shall we jump into this, guys? Let's, Let's do. do it. Also, oh, no, if you I have, can't fit. Uh-oh. if you have questions as we go, oh, yeah. uh, add those into the chat. Um, we've also gathered some off Discord, and we'll sprinkle those in where they make sense. So you know, feel free to to toss questions into the chat. And we'll get to them when we get to them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Towards the end is the plan, unless something crops up and it just really makes sense for the moment. Mm-hmm. So uh, this book has three chapters, I mean, four if you count the glossary and index and the ancestral gear, we'll talk about it, but I think it's two pages long. So I'm not yeah. really sure it counts as a chapter so much, mm-hmm. uh, but it's more or less divided into uh, expanded ancestries and heritages and new ancestries and heritages. Yep. So uh, I suppose let's just start with the expanded. Expanded. So, so yeah, yeah. Russ, do you want to launch into this? Uh, sure. Yeah, I was. I was just going to say for the expanded ancestry and heritage. Yeah, expanded her- ancestries and heritages. Apologies. A lot um, of syllables. Yes, it's true. Very many. Um, <laughs> so uh, these are all options for ancestries and heritages that already exist. Um, so you won't find anything like. You know, I mean, in this chapter, you won't find anything you haven't seen before as far as like, you know, the names there, of that. Yeah. There is a um, caveat because mm-hmm. the Azarkedi or Gilman are supposed to be in that Absalom book and that book's not out yet. So actually, this is, this is an expansion <laughs> on something that's not released. So that is very weird. <laughs> it is a little weird. I'm sure part of that is just, you know, they, they haven't released that book yet. Yeah, I, they got I, delayed a bunch. Yeah, I yeah. understand they're still working on it. So, um, well, Eric Mona and his precious baby. <laughs> but I mean, looking- I'm, I'm fine. Apparently, it's going to be bigger than the core rule book, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I'm fine with it. Yeah. For more details, also, we talked a little bit about it with Luis on an interview there. So, that's true. Uh, definitely be sure to check that out if you're interested. Um, but yeah, I mean, of course, uh, in this case, the. Um, we'll cover all of these in turn, but it's the Isamar, the uh, Azarkedi, the Catfolk, Changelings, Demphirs, Dustwalkers, Hobgoblins, Kobolds, Leshies, Lizardfolk, Orcs, Ratfolk, Tengu, and the Tiefling um, are all in this chapter. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, and, uh, and each... Oh, go on. You can go. I was just going to say they're oh, all okay. higgledy-piggledy in there. So there's ancestries <laughs> back-to-back with heritages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... I'll talk. We'll talk about that towards the ends when we give our thoughts about it. I do have thoughts on that. Uh, but each ancestry gets six pages. Uh, each of the heritages gets four pages. So mm-hmm. you get a, a fair amount of information, and it's e- it's evenly distributed between them. So there's no real favorites in there. Um, all the options in this section are uncommon, which is something I find is interesting, just because it's uh, 
I'll go ahead and just kind of tackle a little bit of this. Now, I I like that they're doing that because it means that here's a book, here's a book full of a ton of options, but here's a book that the game master is going to tell you whether or not they're going to be good for the story that he's telling. So for mm-hmm. instance, you I imagine a game master just kind of come out and say, we're doing Iron Gods, you know, everything Android is common. Uh, or we're doing uh, something in Garoon. So catfolk are a common ancestry here. So everything catfolk is common. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're doing something in say, oh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't really have a, an easy example for here where it's not something I, w- I would be like hardcore against. Doing. Like if you're in like Jalmeray, it might be like, oh, okay, well maybe, you know, orcs are rare in this case because they don't yeah. usually go there. But you know, if you're playing one, it will definitely be a rare option. True. The other thing, if you have the first printing of this is they misspelled uncommon like 30 times. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping bit. they fix that in the second printing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's not like uh, we're all human. <laughs> I just noticed that now I can't not look at it. So I'm going to scroll uh, further. Down. Yes. Yes, Rick. As we are definitely all human. You're correct. Are we? There you are. Uh, yes. <laughs> Please don't sense motive right. to the man behind the screen. Um. <laughs> so uh, I guess let's talk about. Uh, I guess let's just kick it off at the beginning and uh, we'll try to make our way through these pretty quick because we actually have a lot of ground to cover. Uh, there so, is a uh, question from Rose on the Discord about our favorite feet from each section. So let's make sure we do that as we go. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, how about we start with uh, Ross, you want to talk tackle the uh, the Asmars or give people a little bit of an idea of what we're looking at for the Asmar section? Yeah, sure thing. So Isomars, in case you are not familiar, are uh, folks with a mingling of a celestial bloodline or heritage somewhere in you know their ancestry, um, or in many cases, uh, one of the more interesting aspects that they talk about in this book is that Isomars aren't necessarily born from a genetic thing. Um, it can indeed be like a sort of divine intervention. Um, mm-hmm. They give several examples, like a you know childless couple prays for a kid. Um, a conjurer just happens to deal with celestials a lot and is given like a certain amount of power. Um, sometimes just being exposed to like you know somebody used a holy sword for a long period of time, and then eventually their kid was an Isamar. You know that sort of thing can totally happen. Um, it's interesting too, insofar as that uh, they cover, you know, a lot of uh, different for each one of these sections that are based on heritages. They cover what the most common ancestries where you might see that heritage crop up. So, yeah. like dwarves, for example, have a different um, have a different sort of reaction and. Um, a different sort of reaction uh, to Isomars than say like an elf might or a goblin might or something like that. Um, I, uh, I made a note in my notes section uh, mm-hmm. about how much I loved the Azamar dwarf section, <laughs> particularly there's, there's a single sentence here that just says uh, dwarves believe that Torag himself forges each Azamar dwarf imbuing them with his zeal. Mm-hmm. Nice. And I, I love the, the bringing the heritages into the individual ancestries. Yeah. 
It's like, or, you know, elves typically have a lot of dealings with the Azada. And so, you know, mm-hmm. Muse Touch offspring are actually well regarded in elven society, um, is one of the things. Um, you know, halflings um, actually usually look to uh, Isamars as sort of kind of community leaders in, you know, their mm-hmm. societies. Like, you know, it, it's very interesting that there's so many different ways to approach it. Yeah. Um, another thing they do mention too is the idea that sometimes this pressure can be detrimental to Isomars and can cause them, you know, um, it's sort of this expectation that they have a lot of like powers or abilities or things like that, that they may not necessarily have, or they don't actually have control over. Um, so of course, you know, the idea that like Isomars are not beholden to being good people, just like tieflings yeah. are not necessarily beholden to being evil people. Yeah. Um, yep. so yeah. Um, I, yeah. They broke that stereotype really early on in the Pathfinder Adventure Pathlines. I yeah, won't say where, true. but really early on. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, uh, yeah. Um, a few things of note, too, is uh, I did actually like the discussion of Tianjin, um, which oh, yeah. is a yep. uh, society completely created by uh, Isomars, basically. Um, it is the only one of its kind known on Galarian, at least so far. Um Though I guess we'll see as more areas of glaring open up, maybe there'll be others. But uh, um, I've read about them in um, the Tianjia uh, like guidebook um, back when in first edition, and oh, so nice. I was very glad that they actually brought them back for this. Um, and then uh, you know, there's of course uh, the different heritages as well. So adding to it, you've got the Emberkin, which are the Perry-based Isomars Idolkin which are from Nirvana and then the Plumkin um, based off Garuda, which is just always Plumkin. fun for me. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I love, uh, I don't know the Garuda legends. It's a sort of like Japanese avian spirit thing that that's like a protector spirit. It's very cool. So yeah, yeah true. True. Favorite feet, favorite new feet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anybody? So um, the heritage feet or the lineage feats, I'm sorry, I should say that specifically, um, mean that you basically come from a certain like subtype. And so only people of that subtype can take those specific, uh, lineage feats, which is interesting. What is your favorite new feat, Ross? Oh, from this section, honestly, I am a big fan of, uh, the Garuda's squall, um, as hmm. it encourages you to be a marksman. Um, oh. So you basically, whenever you critically hit um, using a bow, uh, you actually apply the weapon's critical specialization effect, um, which means that even if you're not normally like a bow wielder, no, yeah, I get crits all the time. Cool. Fun stuff. I really like the healer's halo. It's neat. Mm. Um, It gives you an additional D6 of hit points when you have healing cast kind of in that same region. And uh, I just like, having a halo because it's just it's it's silly <laughs> it's it's an interest like it's also one of those like uh, i mean come on you're playing an isomar when else are you going to get a chance to literally have a yeah. halo this be, be the evilest asimar that ever lived with a halo that's hilarious <laughs> a halo yep. of healing so i can bring you evil yep. keep my good my bad guys alive mm-hmm. rick uh honestly i'll just double down to hiller's halo it's, cool. it's a great reaction too, because it's, it's a reaction and I, I love reactions and having more versatility to use 
that uh, that mechanic more than anything else. Although there is a really cool, um, I think it's like 13th level flame jump thing mm-hmm. where you can enter into a fire your size and then teleport to another fire your size, which is pretty cool. Yeah, up to five miles away. It's a pretty long range yeah. teleport, like relatively speaking. So especially if you combine it with being like a halfling. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Then you don't really need a big fire. You're just like, no, nah, campfire <laughs> size is fine. Yeah. <laughs> and any, any excuse to play more halflings. That's fair. true. Uh, so moving along to the Azarketi, I don't know if you can actually even play them yet. I don't see anywhere that there are stats. Maybe they release those separately somewhere. Mm. How would you build one? Hmm. Yeah. I haven't really delved into it yet. I'm under the impression that they're supposed to be introduced. They're we'll in get the to it a Absalom little bit. Book, yeah, we'll get to it right. a little bit later. But this actually, there's actually two occasions in this book that uh, they reference things that aren't out yet. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, that's and weird. so the book kind of future proof. So when we get back, to, when we get down to the uh, the last chapter, I'll talk a little bit about that there too. But yeah, um, Azarketi are you know the re the renamed or at the very least the actually having their proper name be uh, used for the species as opposed to. Um, just the calling sling. them Gilman. Yeah. So um, the uh, Azarketi are what were Gilman in the first edition and uh, are the basically the survivors of Aslant. Mm-hmm. So um, they have a whole tie with the, uh, I was about to say Abeliths, but I think uh, a Golthu the, is the proper term for them now. So oh. they're. Uh, Luis in the chat says there's a free PDF for Azarketi mm-hmm. stats coming out this week. Oh, yeah, well, I was actually about to, to say they were actually <laughs> planning on releasing it, it seems. So, yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so you can play all the Azarketi that you want. So uh, nice. I really like that they break down by kind of like regions. The yeah. various like Azarketis of the Inner Sea is really neat. They touch a little bit on their Aslanti heritages. They give a variety of different heritages depending on like, I particularly like the, uh, what is it? The spined Azarketi where you it have a lionfish. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> you can shoot toxic spines off of your body, which is just kind like, of cool. Rad. Um, so, I like, I appreciate how they're really delving into the heritages to provide not just you know, oh, I'm playing an Azarketi fighter, mm. and it's like, well, now you can not just be a, like I'm an Azarketi. Or let me use Rogue as a better example here, but Azarketi Rogue with this certain racket. It's now you combine all the Rogue rackets that you have with all the various heritages of Azarketi that you have. Combined with the, I don't know, what are we up to? 300 different backgrounds. Yep. And sure. <laughs> when you roll all those together, <laughs> it just provides a near uh, limitless number of possibilities mm-hmm. for how you want to to make your character and play your character. An infinite number of threads on that tapestry. Well, maybe not infinite, but a very large <laughs> number of threads on that tapestry. Yep. True. Um, and personally, just because it, uh, maybe I'm the only one that back in the day, I watched the old... Uh, uh, what was that teen? I think it was Teen Titans cartoon. It was one of the newer, it was the newer mm. version of it. But anyway, it had a uh, Aquaman's son who could do like water bending basically. Mm. And uh, I really appreciate that. There's a first level feat that lets you make a shield out of, by pulling the moisture from the atmosphere to create a shield to deflect. <laughs> yeah, attacks. That's so cool. Oh, the my God, that is hydraulic deflection. Also, you can't see it here, but the artwork on uh, the page for that, which Very is on page cool. 14, is amazing. It's this mm. it's almost this like deep sea with like bioluminescent spots and glowing mm-hmm. eyes. God. I'm like, I need to play her art. as something. I don't know what she is yet, <laughs> but I'm ready for it. Oh yeah. Yep. 
You guys have a, a preference on feats for this? I mean, section? I like the one you mentioned. I also really like um, Water Strider. Uh, it lets mm. you essentially use water to walk. Like you can walk on water, kind of. Uh, well, exactly. And that's always fun and cool. Yeah. Yeah. True. Um, you know, honestly, Marine Ally, just because I think it's just oh. fun. Plus, it's <laughs> it, it gives me like an Aquaman vibe. It's like, okay, well, I'm just going to befriend a sea creature. And we need now they follow me adventures. around. Yeah. I mean, you get a familiar, yep. basically, but like. You don't have to be a wizard. You're just like, I'm a fighter, but I also have my friend, the lobster over here. Um, <laughs> my friend, the lobster. <laughs> and you can put them in a bucket. Snips. <laughs> Citizen snips. Yeah. Excellent. And Jess, you want to like tackle the, uh, the cat folk? Yeah. Um, cat folk are awesome. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, this expands on what you already kind of know about cat folk being from Garooned. There are some new... Um, heritages of course they all have new heritages um and some new feats but what i find very interesting is that they really leaned into and they do this a lot uh they being i guess the writers at paizo uh really leaned into <laughs> what you think about when you think of cats so yeah. one of the new heritages is liminal cat folk because uh, cats are kind of liminal beings. Um, you've yeah. inherited a closeness to the far corners of the world where boundaries between dimensions grow thin. So it kind of plays on that whole, you know, mm. cats are a little bit magic and they're a little bit one worlds, foot yeah. in, one foot out kind of mm -hmm. uh, creatures. So it's very cool. Uh, and of course, they talk a lot about catfolk luck. I'm playing a catfolk in the slithering and cat folk, that whole feat tree of cat folk luck is amazing. And I'm happy to see uh, even more uh, lucky stuff that I can take. <laughs> <laughs> so favorite feat though, cat folk dance. It's an action. Uh, mm. You have the habit of always being in the way when other creatures attempt to move. <laughs> uh, you get to make an acrobatics check against adjacent creatures and if you're successful you mess up their reflex saves <laughs> and it's awesome which is just how cats work exactly um, i guess i'll uh i'll jump in i'll jump in with the two for here uh that uh i really do appreciate the first level catnap feat where you can mm -hmm. sleep for 10 minutes and get some uh, temporary hit points, yes. which just seems like a great thing. It's just you lay down and you, you take a brief sleep to regain your energy quickly. Uh, and then at fifth level, you can get focused catnap, where not only mm -hmm. that, but you also regain your focus by taking a brief 10-minute catnap. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> because so, cats. No, it's just fun. How about you, Ross? You know, uh, looking through here, I mean... I think my favorite um, is actually another one of the catfolk heritages. I know it's not a feat technically, but I still <laughs> just love it is the sharp eared catfolk. So you uh. have big ears that move with your moves and perk up at any unexpected sound. Um, you get a bonus to seek creatures that you can hear, but also as long as you're aware of the creature via sound once per round, you can actually point out the creature as a free oh. action by using your ears. <laughs> That's like, awesome. Yeah, that, <laughs> that is and so useful. Yeah, exactly. Like, A, pointing out as a free action is amazing, but B, I just love the idea of some cafe. Like, no, I'm pointing in the direction. Just look. <laughs> look at my ears. <laughs> so, That's rad. Yeah. Woo. Guess we're on All to right, change links. So, uh, yeah, that'll bring yeah. us into change links. You want to check change this, Russ? 
Yeah, absolutely. So uh, changelings, of course, are um, descended from hags primarily. Um, They are uh, thus, they tend to inherit powers, um, especially of the occult nature that hags usually have. Um, They are subject to, uh, well, I mean, you know, it's kind of hags as you know, or sorry, changelings as you know them. Um, I'm sure a lot of you are already familiar with them. Um, It does talk more about changelings within the inner sea um, and how, you know, changelings tend to, uh, tend to appear most often in Chiliax and Verisha, which, you know, admittedly was already fairly well known, but I was interested in like the elves of Kionin actually having a fair number of changelings as well. Yeah. Um, and because changeling was effectively a race rather than a heritage in first edition, um, the switchover, I think gives a lot more room to play with that, which I think is really cool. Sure. Yeah. Um, so as far, however, otherwise, I mean, change, uh, the changelings for the most part, um, it adds a number of additional lineages. Um, so different hags that you might be descended from winter hags, yeah. moon hags, all that fun stuff, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, all that fun stuff, you know, um, let's see here. As far as I'm concerned, I think, um, I actually really like the idea of uh, Mother's Mindfulness. Ah, dang it. Be- you stole mine, Ross. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm sorry. Well, no, it's fine. It's cool. We can both do like the same thing. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. I have to change. No, it's no, uh, no. Um, so yeah, you have uh, the protective instinct your own mother lacks and will gladly suffer another's place, which I thought was a very interesting, like changeling specific idea. Um, yeah. But basically, as a reaction, you can interpose yourself in an attack's path. Uh, you become the target and are automatically hit by the attack or critically hit if the ally was critically hit. Um, but it basically also, like, simply for playing that heritage, you get that sort of reaction that's kind of like a bodyguard style thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any Anytime you get a reaction is always amazing. And mm-hmm. that's... Uh, I have a changeling orc who's like a front line. And so that kind of feat is great because mm-hmm. I can pick that up as my ancestry feat for something that I would probably want to be able to do, even if I weren't, uh, you know, even mm. if I weren't a changeling. So it's, it's cool to get yeah. that from your heritage. Yeah, absolutely. And I just like the bodyguard style feats in general. True. I just always like playing characters like that. So, Well, that leaves Rick. We all look at Rick. <laughs> uh, yeah. Honestly, I think I'm I'm probably going to go for the cunning hair, mm. which That's is because uh, it gives really you that one. cool that that classic white witch style where your hair is prehensile and can do mm-hmm. things for you. I also like that they they clarify a lot more than what they did with uh in first edition because in first edition you could get the prehensile hair playing a witch, mm-hmm. um, and it, I like that this just kind of clarifies that lets you do simple interact actions capital i interact actions Mm -hmm. and so that just kind of removes all the you know it's like i can open doors and all the rest of that but it can't like i've my hair is always holding a potion ready to feed me a potion or doing all the rest that's like no it's it's more just a utility device than anything else but god it's just I've, i've always loved the imagery um i know it wasn't necessarily that great of a movie but there was a movie called um what was it forbidden kingdom it was one of those classic, you know, white boy goes to the East and learns Kung Fu thing. Mm. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, but it's something Jackie like Chan and, um, 
I think uh, that's Jetly. I think it's Jetly. I think. Yeah. Might have Forbidden Kingdom, Golden Kingdom, something, some sort of kingdom. Something anyway, like yeah. that. And a cool white witch in there with a old school. The CGI doesn't hold up as well anymore, but eh. cool prehensile hair. Mm-hmm. And it does yeah, tie in for me. Uh, it ties into the common thing that changelings um, do have hair that like grows rapidly. So they have to constantly like shorten it if they want to have short hair, um, which is interesting. <laughs> so. True. Yeah. Uh, oh, also one last shout out into the changeling section. Uh, they also mentioned here that all changelings are not female now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that they're just much more common. But yes. if you want to play a male changeling, that is an option now. Mm-hmm. So. That's mm-hmm. fair. Or cool. yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. Or non-binary or any other way. changeling yeah. wants to identify. Mm-hmm. So. I guess that brings us to the uh, the damn fear. I know uh, Jessica, you have some experience with this in first edition. So you want to tackle the damn fear in second edition? Uh, sure. Um, We're chatting a bit. Yeah, vampire are essentially your, um, they're not half vampire, but they're vampire Blake. adjacent. <laughs> um, and the way that you become a vampire, there's a, or a, da- a vampire. A vampire. There are lots of different ways. Um, and it's interesting because they, uh, you know, obviously looking a little bit like a vampire is not great, but they really have a lot of options for looking like the not as pretty types of vampire. So you can look like the more Nosferatu type vampire, Mm. um, which is cool because, you know, there's way more than one type of vampire. No, they're all Anne Rice wannabes. (laughs) Yeah, fair. (laughs) Uh, I also, I mean, just like with the, the other ancestries, they go through and like kind of the, sorry, this is a heritage the other ancestries they talk about, you know, dwarves um, mm-hmm. have these powerful safeguards against the undead. Um, so there aren't very many dwarves that are dampier. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, you know, elves have uh, like a pride thing around being charmed. And so they're uh, not super happy about uh, damn fears necessarily but because they live for such a long time they're great companions for immortals mm-hmm. and so they've kind of got that going on so it's interesting to kind yeah. of see some of the interplay of how it's not just everyone hates damn fears because Partic- vampires a particular note is the halfling the halfling section that yeah. talks about how um it was that the close-knit nature of many halfling communities means that Danfir halflings are less ostracized and face less discrimination than Danfirs of other ancestries. And the optimism of halfling culture encourages Danfir halflings towards friendlier, more open disposition than most. Halflings. I just like that halflings are so nice. They're just doing it right. But even you know? the Danfirs, like, you know, even your even your little Danfir goth cousin is is fine. It's just like, yeah. oh, we'll mm-hmm. just bring we him in. We still love him. He's yeah. still the, you know, that's just Eddie. Yeah. We don't, we don't <laughs> give him hugs because he doesn't like hugs, but we accept, but, you know, yeah, yeah it's true. <laughs> he just eats his meat rare. That's fine. <laughs> uh, true. Too, too many, you know, livers for my taste, <laughs> but that's okay. That's okay. And so my favorite feat here is undead companion. You essentially can have an animal companion or familiar that is also touched by undeath. So you kind of get a mix of a traditional companion and a skeleton or zombie or some form of undead. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they gain the undead trait instead of the animal trait. They get negative healing. Um, but otherwise, they're just a normal animal. So you could have a little skeleton cat that mm-hmm. like lives on your shoulder or whatever. And that, 
is very fun, especially because, you know, you already have the negative healing thing going on. So now your animal does too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just branch out. Mm-hmm. How about y'all? Uh, I'm going to give it to Hopping Stride mm. just because I, I love that tying into the uh, vampires of other culture and tying into mm. the, uh, what are they in that case? The, the uh, you have to be Rushi, but yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can hop a distance equal to your speed minus 10. But uh, <laughs> during each of those, you're assumed to be like leaping. And so mm. you ignore difficult terrain and <laughs> Uh, awesome. pressure plates and hazardous things and all the rest of that. So just kind of hopping around the battlefield. I think it's a very fun note about Rushi. Um, they're the ones that are really into counting. Um, mm, yeah. And so they kind of get fun eye for numbers, skill feats and stuff. So counting. Yeah. There Absolutely. you go. Two, uh, uh, so now for three, um, <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, my favorite is actually old soul. Just because, mm-hmm. again, I like the the consistency with a lot of the particularly long-lived or, you know, nigh-immortal um, ancestries getting access to, I just know more things because I've been around a long time. I mean, if I lived <laughs> for a hundred years, I'd probably just pick up a few extra jobs too, because eh, got to do something now. Um, so it's like, I think, uh, I was saying, you know, why can't, why should elves have all the fun? Let's let the damn fears do this too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True. That is really cool. So, yeah, that brings us into the, uh, the dusk Walker heritage, uh, which are basically, uh, at some point or another powerful psychopomp said, eh, we'll just reincarnate these people instead of, you know, just going through this whole hole blue with the river of souls and all the rest of that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they had children and those children have a tie to the, uh, the bone lands and death, which is just pretty neat without having to be a damn fear and being undead. It's just a tie to death mm-hmm. uh, or psychopomps. Uh, I'm sure Jessica's just waiting for an opportunity to talk about the picture on this. I am. It's the best picture. <laughs> it's some lady in a, in a, Nah, fairly creepy cult robe but she's feeding a slice of what looks like cherry mousse pie to a psychopomp and it is the cutest mm-hmm. thing in the whole world i think it's cherry top cheese cheesecake but maybe, maybe. that's just because i love cheesecake but it's pretty great either <laughs> yeah. way she is here is a whole slice it's not a spoonful it's she's holding a slice <laughs> out the bird is sitting on the plate mm-hmm. with its little mask on mm-hmm. i don't know what kind of party they're having but i want to be invited <laughs> <laughs> yep uh, so, yeah, and it goes into the usual thing where it talks about like the various races and how they react to having dusk walkers and so on. Uh, they have a whole lot of fun feats in mm-hmm. this section. Uh, my personal favorite probably being the Nasoy mask, which is uh, you basically get a, a mask. Um, as many of the psychopomps use the mask while dealing with the living, uh, cultures believe the unmasked psychopomps face invites death. Uh, it gives you uh, uh, your trained intimidation, gain the intimidation glare feat. And if you're mm-hmm. already trained in intimidation, you instead become trained in a skill of your choice, so on. But I just, I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, you also know how to make masks like those worn by the psychopomps. Yeah. A and lot so, of them have, uh, like, there's Vance in here and Katrina's, yeah. and like a lot mm-hmm. of the feats are named after psychopomps. Yeah. So lots of fun ways to tie all that in together. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. What about you guys? Uh, there's three different yeah sure there's three (laughs) different feats that have reactions that are first level Mm. feats that are all related um they're all they all have death in the title um which i guess makes sense for dust walkers but there's one called willing death that's uh 
Essentially, an ally within 30 feet of you takes damage that would otherwise reduce them to zero hit points and give them the dying condition. Uh, you can instead take that damage um, mm-hmm. for them by an amount equal to one plus your level. Uh, but the the reason is once you died because you valued someone else's life above your own, just as then you protect an ally, you protect an ally by suffering in their stead. So yeah. it kind of ties right back into this whole, um, you know, you've died before, you're acquainted with death, you're going to use that to kind of benefit those around you. Mm-hmm. Nice. It's a neat reaction too. It's definitely up there with like some of the champion reactions, honestly, um, as far as like how good it is, I think. Uh, yeah, for sure. I, I guess uh, for me, um, I'd go with Katrina's presence. Um, Mm. So you've adopted the coming presence of Katrina's, the festive dead. Um, You might even have danced with the Katrina yourself. So long as you are visibly (laughs) carrying fresh flowers or colorful ribbons somewhere on your person, uh, you can cast calm emotions twice per day. It's like, oh, that's really cool. If Elsa was in second edition, she would have to take that feat. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Cause it's like, that's just, that's such a neat like tie in. And I think that's pretty cool. Awesome. True. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that brings us to the hobgoblin and judging by the amount of time that this is taking, I'm going to mm. say that we tackle that. And then maybe the person reading the section tells us their favorite feet for that section. So we'll do one feet per. Okay. Uh, oh, that's going to be hard. Thing. Well, that yeah. way we can get a little bit faster to the, uh, the yeah, new we need ancestors that everyone's excited for. Stuff. All right. Carrying on. So, right. uh, who wants to tackle hobgoblins? Yeah. I'll do it. <laughs> um, so hobgoblins, uh, long story short, um, they do go over a lot ah. of hobgoblins. Ah, uh, they do go over a lot of hobgoblins from outside of Oprah because of yeah. course everybody knows of the hobgoblins and the iron fang invasion by this point, or at least most folks do. But, um, yep. yeah, there's definitely a lot more than just in that nation. Uh, moreover, uh, they talk a little bit more about how goblins, uh, deal with things in the dark lands, goblins of Tian and the Mwangi expanse, which is very cool. Um, a couple of new heritages and, you know, um, I know we're going a little fast through these now, but uh, <laughs> I do have to mention that, uh, my favorite feat from this section was actually, um, Runt Sage which is basically hmm. a hobgoblin who actually tries to get along with goblins. Hmm. Um, and so, and also to some extent understands them insofar hmm. as like why goblins do the things they do. So you actually gain adopted ancestry for goblin, first of all, but you also get a goblin ancestry feat for free for doing that. <laughs> um, so cool. it's just kind of, I was like, Oh, that's neat. Like, yeah, I, I'm a hobgoblin, but like goblins are cool. I actually like them. So. Also the hobgoblin art. I think it's a tw- 30, 34 there is really cool. Yeah. It cool. It's, it's, again, got, it's like, portraying. Yeah. Well, and it's also, it, it feels very much like showing hobgoblins from a, um, a society that is not, you know, central Avistan. Mm-hmm. So it's very neat. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you want in kobolds or leshies? I Just... want leshies, please. <laughs> I kind of right. figured. <laughs> <laughs> so following that, we have the uh, kobolds. Everyone knows your your favorite cowardly little lizard people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I know Jess isn't necessarily still a big fan of their character redesign. They got uglier. 
like in this book <laughs> than before. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. But it does talk about the uh, the various different locations of them, um, including uh, having a sort of discussion pertaining towards the Sewer Dragons of Absalom, which yeah, is a cool. nice tie back into the Pathfinder Society. Absolutely. So that's all pretty neat. And it gets a couple new heritages in your clave, cave climber and your tunnel flood kobolds, uh, which gives you a swim speed, which is also pretty cool if you want to play like a you know, kobold tribe in service to a any of your swamp dwelling dragon kin, black dragons spring to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're just kind of fun. I do like the, um, there's a first level kobold feet. I tend to like the lower level ones. Cause I'm like, those are the ones I'm probably going to get a chance to use at some point, mm. uh, which is slither where you're an expert at moving <laughs> through extremely tight places and you can yeah. uh, take the quick, quick squeeze skill feet, even if you're not trained in acrobatics. And when you roll mm-hmm. success, you get a critical success instead. So you're very slippery. It gives me an idea a little bit, especially because their character redesign. It makes me think um, uh, like salamanders or newts. Mm. Oh, yeah. It's just like big heads and they're really slippery. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I like kobolds. They're they're fun. Yeah. I love kobolds. I just prefer how they used to look. Mm. Speaking of look. Oh, Lushies. Lushies. They're so cute and good. Um, Leshies are essentially nature spirits that have been given a body generally by a druid or some other being that has called them into existence. Um, They're kind of immortal because of that. Their bodies are anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's interesting. There's a line, a newly created Leshy is at once both young and ancient. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's kind of that fun dichotomy of childlike wonder and I've could have been alone forever. And this is just a new body for me, mm. which is always <laughs> kind of fun. Um, they've added some heritages, including cactus leshies and fruit leshies, uh, lotus leshies, root leshies, seaweed leshies. We actually have a question here, which is if you were an adorable cactus leshy, what kind of character <laughs> would you be? And that's from Hadrian on the discord. Hmm. I would be a gunslinger, obviously. Yeah. And I, mean- I would be prickly. <laughs> That that's the correct answer, I think. Um, but uh, for my money, I think I'd be a monk because I mean mm. I've got spines. Like, true. I'm gonna punch people. Let's do it. I'm gonna say a very suave and charming swashbuckler <laughs> because I mean rapier rapier is very needle like to begin with, and also mm. if you're a cactus lettuce, she after you impress the ladies, you could then pluck a flower off your head, and oh, <laughs> that's nice. true. Nice, nice, very true. <laughs> smooth (laughs) all right that's pretty rad um as far as favorite feet i really like the spore cloud it makes me think Mm. of like all of the plant type pokemon um but you can just (laughs) unleash a cloud of pollen which is always really fun gloom uh you can play gloom (laughs) yeah Yeah. basically (laughs) uh yeah so that's that's it for for leshies there's lots of great leshy stuff they're very cute there's a pangolin piece that's adorable (laughs) If you're a fleshy <laughs> fan, there's lots of good stuff in here for sure. It's true. Absolutely. You want to tackle lizard full cross? Absolutely. They're naked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give you the That's art That's Jessica's recording. takeaway. <laughs> <laughs> I love them. Oh, dear. All right. Well, uh, on that note, so lizard folk, of course, um, come from a wide variety of areas in... Um, and Galarian, um, 
So we've uh, got a lot of stuff going on. I mean, a lot of them are from Garund and that sort of uh, in the Southern continent. Um, and they do talk a lot about, um, you know, the various kinds of le- or lizard folk. I almost said leshies for a second there. <laughs> got leshies on my brain. Uh, but the different yep. kinds of lizard folk in their society um, and just how long they've been around because lizard folk are one of the most ancient ancestries mm-hmm. in Galarian, even though, you know, until recently they hadn't gotten as much press. Um there is, of course, uh, you know, a lot of varied uh, different types of lizard folk. However, um, they do seem to be variations on a theme, but I think that's because lizards in are nature lizards. are different. Um, they don't, I'm, insofar as that, I guess just lizards, um, you know, tend to be very similar to one another, I guess, maybe. I'm kind of probably saying this wrong. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, long story short though, um, there's a lot of cool feats. I think my favorite, um, in particular is actually dangle. Um, it's a fairly high level feat, which if you have a tail, you can actually hang off of it on a, (laughs) on a surface (laughs) and you have all of your arms and legs free to do whatever else you want. So if you're like a lizard folk sniper, you just sort of like hang off a tree with your bow and then you're just like waiting for somebody to walk along, um, which would be pretty cool. Yeah. So (laughs) I just, I don't know. I like it. I think it's neat, but so following the lizard folk, we get into the, uh, orc ancestry section, uh, which are, which is really interesting in that it it explores a lot of places that orcs are outside of the hold of Beltskin or Mm. just Beltskin as it's called now. And it gets into like orcs in Garoon and orcs scattered across the rest of the world. And I think a little bit into even, you know, like jungle orcs and desert orcs and so on and so mm. forth. Like a, a variety of different, um, I want to say topography, but I don't think that's necessarily the proper term. No. But, geographic uh, location. Geographic yeah. locations. Yes. They could be topographers. But, yeah, of course. Um, uh, and gets into like things like winter orcs, which is actually one of the new heritages. Although my personal favorite of the new heritage is the grave orc. Heck yeah. Since, you know, mm-hmm. Belskin's right there next to this horrible place that used to be last wall. Yeah. Also, um, the art so for that the guy idea is of, like, rad. Yeah, yeah. True. And uh, which is, uh, it's got this great, you know, powerful orc with his face paint on uh, in the form of like a skull. Mm-hmm. And that gets into uh, some of my favorite feats, which is actually just, it's kind of combines almost every feat in this section. Which are these orc war mask feats? Yes. That you take one at first level that lets you have a, a war mask, a, a face paint that you use, um, uh, or you know you can invest a uh, an item of negligible bulk, um, and it gives you a variety of different power depending on whether or not it's related to the gods, or land, or magic, or the unknown, and then you can get further feats as you progress to give new powers to it. So I just, I love, I love feet trees in heritages. I love the idea of being able to like expand on your character's uh, strengths that you have from first level and make it way forward. This might not be the necessarily the best time to throw this in, but this really makes me uh, appreciate the, the expanded rules for doing like the X, what is it? uh, Ancestral Paragon. Oh yeah. Introduce the rules that give you tons of extra ancestry feats. True. Mm -hmm. It's like, 
I can see with how many options that there are that I imagine once people get their hands on this book, more people are going to look at those options. I want yeah. more. So, Absolutely. More. Who wants to tackle some rat folk? I mean, I can talk about some rat folk. Um, <laughs> rat folk or Yasoki. You're more are, of a Yasoki, huh? Yep. I love some Starfinder. Uh, they are, That's true. you know, Master Splinter uh, with cheek pouches. It's cool. Um, you learn a little <laughs> bit about, uh, you know, Belkson, rat folk or rat folk that live kind of in the, the dark lands under Tianja, which is really cool. I didn't even know they were there. Um Places uh, all over Galarian, various places they're from, places that you might find them. There's uh, Numerian ones that are kind of tinkerers. Mm -hmm. uh, there's some in Ulf and yeah. the Ulfin lands and whatnot. Ulfin lands. I don't know why I'm saying where the Ulfin people are, <laughs> are currently. The, you know, the cold places. That's yes. where you'll find them. Um, Lenorm kings and all that area. Yeah, the Lenorm. Uh, yep. You know, you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> but it also mentions Kazmaron, which is cool. Um, and you get some new heritages yeah. and, uh, you know, you, you have a snow rat and a tunnel rat. So some, some more heritages. Uh, I really like, there are a lot of really cool feats, but I, there's a fifth level feat called gnaw that is essentially like mm -hmm. with enough time and determination, you can chew through nearly anything. You deal double your jaws damage to an unattended inanimate object. You can just cut yourself free with your teeth. And yep. that's just so fun. Also, um, it talks yeah, about Akaton. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I was about to mention. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you can keep going then. But We're I was just like, what? Akaton. Yeah. Yeah. For all you Starfinder fans out there, they actually do talk a little bit about Akaton. So it's kind of neat to see a little bit about yeah. that you know, in Pathfinder. So woo. Mm -hmm. also... I, I again know we're going really fast, but the uncanny cheeks feed is so good. Uh, anything that lets you put more stuff in your cheeks is great. Mm -hmm. Well, it combines more cheek your cheek pouches with um, the prescient consumable and prescient planner feats. So you just be like, oh, yeah, I swallowed a potion this whole time. Here it is. You oh, know. there it is. You fall down. Yeah. All right. All right. Like, Don't mind cool. the slobber. Yeah. So, yeah, that brings us into the Tengu. And would you like to tackle some Tengu, Russ? Um, yeah, I'll go ahead and tackle some Tengu here. Or I so, can take the Tengu if you'd rather take the uh, Tiflings or Tieflings based on your preference. Um, I kind of prefer the Tieflings, if that's okay. All right. I love Tengu, so that's yeah, perfectly fine. Yeah, Tengu are fun. pretty awesome. So Tengu are great. Tengu are your uh, your bird-human hybrid. Bird folk. Uh, initially kind of more of a... a yeah, your bird folk, your your raven folk, but uh, more commonly known originally in Tian Shaw, but I, they're so widely spread, especially along the uh, western coast of Avistan and Garoon, between mm -hmm. like the shackles and the pirates and all the rest of that, that they're very common in the inner sea as well. Uh, the Tingu are just fun. Mm -hmm. um, I They talk about the various places that they can be found, uh, in large part mostly kind of expounding a little bit more on Tian Shaw as far as like the very Tengu people there, although they do touch a little bit on Tengu settlements outside of the Tian Sha area. And God, the whole, the whole section is just really interesting. They've got the yeah. wave diver Tengu, which is kind of fun, which uh, honestly makes me just kind of think of like a Tengu um, uh, penguin. <laughs> so you're just like, it's like, I'm as, I'm as comfortable in the land as I am in the sea. And you just dive beneath the surface. Which I'm thinking about great. one of those, uh, <laughs> 
birds that hunt over the oh, ocean. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm, like an osprey or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I also find it interesting. They've got some character art in here where it's a Tingu that has very much of the classic mm. uh, Japanese art style, which is the, you know, got the big mustache and the long nose and all the mm. rest of that. So it gets into a little bit more of like the various ancestries and different appearances of the Tingu. Um, and I think Ross made a note on here, or actually I think it was Jessica made a note on here, but I very much agree that uh, the magpie snatch <laughs> feet is great. <laughs> it's oh, yeah, so it's funny. Fun. Yeah, it's a double action to let you snatch shiny things that catch your eye. <laughs> you can stride twice and interact to grab an unintended object at any point during your movement. Yeah. So you're just like, no, I'm just walking along and snatch up this thing and kind of keep going. Oh, shiny. Mine? But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yes. And, I mean, to be perfectly honest, one of my favorite things with the Tengu is just, uh, it's not even in this book because it's in their bestiary entry, which is the their, uh, I believe it's a reaction that lets them peck you in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like well that's just fine oh my eye. so yeah it gives it gives a lot of fun new options to the tingu and uh mm-hmm. you know jinx glutton amongst other things also so yeah uh, that brings us to uh tieflings and or tieflings depending upon your choice of pronunciation yes i uh I, you know I do enjoy tieflings. I think they're very interesting. And so this one expands the lineage to fully um, develop everything that had been developed in um, uh, the (laughs) first edition version. Um, So you got the Rakshasa, the Klipoths, and the um, Shackleborn, which I believe are Chitons. I believe so. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, Velstra. Yeah, Velstrock, which is a chitin, is one of. Sorry. Um, anyway, yeah. So you got a bunch of different uh, new lineages. It talks a bit more about where tieflings are from besides Chiliax, um, which is always good. Um, <laughs> For sure. <laughs> because, you know, uh, there are all sorts of different kinds. And, I mean, even um, talks about, you know, a little bit of, you know, like a, a lot of uh, – ancient um evils and stuff like that lamash too for example you know mm-hmm. has a lot of like tiefling um offspring i suppose uh, <laughs> and uh yeah um i think of also of course it does talk again about how tieflings are not necessarily beholden to be evil much like isomars are not necessarily beholden to be good which is always yeah. a good thing to reinforce um and uh as far as favorite feats go um i think this is probably one of the best named feats in the entire book <laughs> just because it is literally called final form Yes. <laughs> where you like completely tap into your fiendish heritage and um, become like basically a part devil or demon or whatever for a short period of time, uh, wherein you gain uh, the benefits of divine vessel. <laughs> um, and then while you're in your form, you can also cast um, chilling darkness, fireball and lightning bolt once each. Or at the GM's discretion, they can switch that out for things more appropriate for like your your lineage. But yeah. I was just like, oh my god! So you can enter your final form. <laughs> and one it's- of the things I appreciate with this feat is that it is a three action. So it, mm-hmm. I, I can only imagine it takes your entire turn for you to Dragon Ball scream as you transform <laughs> into your final form. <laughs> You yeah. could get like a, a magic girl swirly sparkles kind of a thing. Mm. Oh, that's true. Uh, magic yeah. girl transformation. Cut cut to the stock footage. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, Bring in the choir monks. It's a uh, 17th level feat. So, you know, you can get that before you face off against the final, you know, the final boss and just be like, okay, well, I'm going to final form this. Let's do it. (laughs) And it means you can use that line. However, you could be like, we've Mm -hmm. been fighting this entire time. Then your friends are on the ropes and you can be like, this isn't even my final form. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, talking is a free action. So. (laughs) True. It's true. You can do that in addition to any other, as long as you're not pointing something out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. if you're a catfolk, yeah. you can also point something with your ears, and there you go. I think you can lay off reaction. Sure. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Well, you can only. I. Th- I think that's Cat, a heritage too. Catfolk. So. Catfolk. Rakshash- no, catfolk is a is that's an ancestry, an so you could be a catfolk well, Rakshashka blooded tiefling. <laughs> that's true. You could. That would be amazing. That'd be fun. <laughs> I'm I'm double cat. I'm um, so cat you can't even believe. Yeah, so I Yeah. So thank you for uh for sticking with us for this entire hour as we jump mm-hmm. now into the what you probably came here for, which is the <laughs> new, new ancestries and heritages. You. We had a little preamble there. We had to get a chance for everyone to get in and uh, get in some fun <laughs> comments and all the rest of that. So okay. yeah, the new ancestries and heritage covers uh all of the new ancestries and heritages, the name is applies. Uh all of the options in this section are either uncommon, there actually are a couple that are rare, which is kind of fun. True. Also and so, uh, this- there's new rules. Like yeah. rules, rules, mm-hmm. special rules, rules. rules. <laughs> uh, this section covers the Android, the uh, Aphorite, Aphorite, Aphorite yeah. pronounce it. the, the Beastkin, the Fetchling, which I was kind of surprised that they didn't w- go with Kyle and instead went with Fetchling considering that they didn't go with Gilman and instead went with, um, what are they? Well, uh, they Zazie did Ratfolk instead of Yosoki and they did Lizardfolk yeah. instead of uh, Eruxi. So I don't yeah. know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um but yeah. And so you've got your fetchlings, your flesh warped, your Ganzi, your genie kin of all five varieties, mm-hmm. uh your Kitsune or Kitsune, depending on how you pronounce it, your sprites and your strixes. So I suppose we'll just jump in here. Do you guys mm, mind if I tackle and- androids? Because I do love me some androids. Well, I Go think for we it. should chat about these new rules first, because the tiny PCs rules. Well, we can talk about the new rules if we want to. I think th- I just want to mention the tiny PCs rules. You can ride your friends, um, but there are specific rules for how mm-hmm. actions work and how the economy of that is so that you can't just essentially get a free ride. Um, but I think it's interesting that yeah. you had to include that because you have tiny PCs for, I think, maybe the first time. Yeah. Is yeah. it for the first time? No, it's the first time we've had tiny PCs. Yeah. Um, we don't have any large PC races yet, but I'm yeah. still waiting for my um, my centaurs. Fair. Okay. That's all <laughs> um, I had. It was weird, and I wanted to point it out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah tiny no, PCs, writing PCs, even a, section, even a little thing kind of talking about flying PCs. Yeah. It's cool. Since, you know. They're Strix. Mm-hmm. Delving into other, uh, into other rules here. But um, yeah, to tackle the androids, the androids are generally speaking rare. Although, again, you could argue that they're common if you're playing a game in Numeria or any of the surrounding areas mm-hmm. uh it kind of delves into uh they're a uh, a dex and intelligence and free boost with the charisma flaw which is kind of standard for androids uh if you're mm-hmm. used to um dealing with them the uh i find it interesting that the sample names include numbers in them mm-hmm. which i didn't really find to be all that too i didn't feel as as common in the pathfinder setting as it is in this starfinder setting it's super common in them. starfinder but mm. yeah yeah 
Um, including using like leet speak for your character name and all the rest of that is pretty common in Starfinder from what I've mm. experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so they've, instead of, uh, they're emotionally unaware now. And so, yeah, you have difficulty understanding and expressing complex motions. They get constructed, which is still pretty cool. Uh, but mm-hmm. they are still, uh, they're humanoids with the Android subtype. They are not constructs. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it delves into uh, Androids of the Inner Sea. I find it interesting that it actually talks a little bit about um, um, Androfen. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and it goes into like many sold things. It talks uh, a little bit about um, Sovereign, yeah. uh, the Sovereign Androids, which uh, primarily are around Starfall, the capital of Numeria. So, yeah, it, it delves into it. It's very interesting. And uh, I like how they incorporated some of the rules from, I think it was the back of the first book of Iron Gods, where it mm. talks about not necessarily other type of androids, but other type of uh, synthetic creations, which mm. were things like, you know, this was an android. You know, this is my protocol droid android was what you're originally built for. And so this is a polygot mm-hmm. android that, you know, you're the C-3PO where I speak a billion languages. Yeah. Or, you know, this was an android that was built for just like, you know, this is just the physical labor android. Um, mm-hmm. And so, but now, you know, you're, you're free from, you know, the programming that was the whole thing that uh, kind of enslaved your people originally. And uh, well, that's a whole thing. Uh <laughs> I just love androids. I just find androids <laughs> fun. They're great. Um, you can literally take a feat to make yourself just emotionless. If you're just like, eh, screw it. Um, where you basically just like, eh, make it difficult for you to fill any strong emotions. Uh, although personally, I just like how many of their things are so tech sounding where it's, these are the feats that, that work for it, but it's not necessarily what your character would probably call them. Like the advanced targeting system. Mm. Um, your internal respirator, your repair <laughs> modules, your revification protocol. <laughs> True. But honestly, I think the fact that uh, you can still take a feat from the nanite surge is great for a reaction. Yeah, yeah nanite surge is great. So stimulate your nanites. It's true. Um, yeah, androids. I love them. Uh, I would love to see more androids in the second edition stuff. I don't imagine Adventure Path anytime soon because Iron Gods isn't that old. Mm. But Mm. Eh, Android's fun. That's my takeaway. <laughs> cool. Uh, although I will throw one criticism in this section. I don't really like the Android art in this section. It's um, the Android art in the cover is so great. Yeah. But uh, there's something a little odd about the artwork in this section. I think they're it's so. they're purposely trying to make them look weird. Like their limbs are a little too thin or too long. Or their faces are strange, but I don't know. It doesn't work for me. I think. Yeah. I mean, it kind of depends on, I guess, your um, your vision of androids. Um, just, yeah, they definitely, they definitely look a little bit more sci-fi than I was expecting. But, and I know, you know, yeah. androids obviously like turn into Pathfinder and Starfinder and all that. And, but, you know, it's. It's still one of those, like, I think, you know, maybe just the design choices were a little unusual. So maybe just because it's unexpected, it's like, eh, I'm not sure about this. Yeah. But, yeah. Hmm. yeah. So uh, after androids, we have the Ethelrite. Mm-hmm. Who would like to tackle those? Uh, yeah. I can go on and do it. 
if that's it's basically it. Asimars for law. It's true. <laughs> yeah. Effectively, that's what it is. It so, is a heritage. Um, is a heritage. Um, yes. So you can play any ancestry and still be an Aphrodite. They have several examples, including a uh, human, a kobold. Um, if you want to be a, like a kobold Aphrodite, which I think would be fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's see here. It does talk about how, again, much like um, Isomars and Tieflings, um, as an Aphrodite, you're, you know, you may tend toward law, but you're certainly not beholden to it. You don't have to be a lawful character to be an Aphrodite. Um, as well as a few places that Aphrodites tend to be from, um, Agorian, Atambu, places like that. Um, they do talk, um, you know, a lot about, again, how they fit in with the different ancestries of the, uh, of the inner sea. So like Aphrodite dwarves, which tend to be very angular, apparently, um, which I thought was kind of a neat detail. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, Aphrite elves, which at first I was like, really? But then I was like, oh no, the Axiomites actually default look a lot like elves. So I could see that, you know, sure. like stuff like that. Um, now Aphrite goblins, that is something that intrigues <laughs> me and almost makes me want to, uh, True. makes me want to play one at one point. Um, Let's see here. But uh, I think of the various feats, um, my favorite one is one called internal cohesion, which basically your body automatically helps maintain coherency with itself. And Mm. so um, you and your allies can treat your wounds without healers tools. That's cool. Because, yeah, Mm. as long as you can get like the pieces to kind of go in the general direction, (laughs) your body takes over and like make sure it works right. So it's, uh, it's basically if you dropped a, uh, a mini and the arm popped off and it's just like, I just got to hold it together until the glue settles back in. Exactly. Exactly <laughs> like that. Um, and then once per day, if somebody rolls a failure or a critical failure to treat your wounds, you can focus your internal cohesion to increase the degree of success by one step. Wow. So you're just basically <laughs> like, no, my body knows how it works better than you do. So I like that one, but impose order. Just the very mm. name of it is amazing. It's I mean, uh, true. You're not going to misfortune me. There will be order <laughs> in this house. So like <laughs> that makes that makes me laugh. The idea of like, oh, you're trying yep. to like. You just have to scream omen? objection and no. point your finger. Yes. Oh. Yeah, exactly. Objection. A, a Phoenix <laughs> right. Aphrodite. Oh, my God. Yes, this, oh, this would be very fun. Be pretty great. Oh, oh, I want to play that now. Just when you interview the parrot right on in. the stand, it's, it's, it's even justified in this why your hair is like, yeah, it even justifies in here why your hair is like so sharp and spiky. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That is very true. Oh, my God. Oh, I need to do this. Why have I not done this? Because <laughs> anyway. oh, it didn't exist. <laughs> it, yeah, I, I, yeah, uh, yeah, legal. Was, yeah. Yeah. Uh, very cool. But now, now you have this option. Yes. <laughs> Uh, the next uh, heritage in here is Beastkin. So essentially, um, this is you are whatever ancestry, but you have extraordinary abilities from the animal world. So you kind of uh, can transform mm-hmm. into animals or transform part of your features. It's almost like they took the shifter class and retooled it as a heritage. If you ever mm-hmm. watched Grimm, yeah. it's like you're a Vesson. So you can be like, a bird guy sometimes. Um, 
And it's it's got a little bit of like the were creature thing going on. You could have been cursed. Like there's a lot of reasons you could be a beastkin. And depending on where you are, more people accept yeah. you or not. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's obviously rare. You get the ability to change your shape. That just comes with being a beastkin. Um, but you can get yeah. all sorts of fun. Uh, there's all sorts of fun feats that are all related to whatever your animal thing is. But quick change feels like the first thing you should always take. Uh, it's a free action. When you roll initiative, you can change shape uh, into your animal form or your hybrid form or whatever form. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's neat. Uh, and yeah. there's a fun sidebar I- that talks about the Ulfin Beastkin because unlike most places in Galarian, yeah. The Ulfin don't see were creatures as a curse. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they actually yeah. think that it's an honor to be a beastkin or to be a were creature. So it's it's neat. Yeah. Turns out turning into a nine foot tall bear, pretty cool <laughs> as far as the Ulfin are concerned. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you're, like, you're a wow. giant bear? I'm a Viking. Cool. Yeah. Can I do that too? <laughs> How I do it. Yeah. I go on a rage, build orphanages because um, <laughs> they're lawful good. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, man. But then we have fetchlings. Do you have a feat that you like from this section, Jess? Oh, that was the feat. The feat was quick change. Mm-hmm. Where you get to, okay, cool. as free action, turn into your, your animal self. You get to Voga. It's like, Ha-ha. I'm an animal now. Ha-ha. Yes. So, yeah, that brings us to the uh, the fetchling ancestry. And uh, again, these are the the Kyle as they're uh, known amongst themselves. And again, I'm a little confused by, especially because I think they established at some point that fetchling is not a nice find the word. Term fetchling offensive. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, they actually do mention that in one of the sidebars, but I mean, maybe just to make it easier to find. Maybe. I don't entirely know. The maybe. art. But, yeah. On they're, this they're first very, page is amazing. True. Oh yeah. It's She's got some cool. great art there. Um, I like her little plume. Mm-hmm. This is very, her plume and her boots are both great. She has very a lot jaunty. of flavor to her. Um, yep, they're a deck space. Uh, they get dark vision, which is always kind of hard to get. It's a little oh, bit harder yeah. to get now. Um, it in really ancestries. is. And dark Definitely. vision is so good in second edition. Oh my, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but they do talk about a whole bunch of uh, fun things, uh, including like you get all sorts of neat um, shadow related abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's even things that kind of bring into like the bright fletching fetchlings. I keep wanting to say fletching the bright yeah. fetchlings, uh, which is your body proves that shadows can't exist without light. And perhaps your eyes glow brighter and your veins occasionally pulse with light uh, where you admit light, uh, dim light mm-hmm. within five feet of you, which is just kind of cool. This idea yeah. that's like, you know, I'm the embodiment of like light in darkness. Uh, so there's a whole bunch of fun things with that and lots of interesting ways to play around with, uh, your shadow and what your shadow can do, having your shadow move independently from you. They get, there's a lot of fun um, in the way that Azamars can have really colorful things that kind of play into their Azamar heritage where it's church bells ring when I walk past or, mm. you know, my hair always smells like frankincense and, you know, tieflings are much the same way where it's like, I can really customize my appearance. The, the fetchlings can kind of do that with their shadow. Mm-hmm. Where it's just like, you know, while I'm standing still, my shadow's like, my shadow always looks like it's billowing or my shadow bends in the opposite direction of the light or mm-hmm. things like that. So it's really fun how they work that together and then work that into the feats where you can do a whole bunch of things with your feats where, uh, for instance, clever shadow, which kind of goes mm-hmm. back to my love of the uh, 
prehensile hair, which is your shadow can perform interactions mm-hmm. <laughs> such as opening and unlocking doors and so on. So I just, I love the idea of, um, it just reminds me of that scene. Uh, I think it's more perfectly captured in, uh, the Bram Stoker, Dracula, the mm. Keanu Reeves one. Um, yeah. <laughs> where it's, you know, when he comes down the stairs and the shadow goes first and is reaching mm-hmm. out. Um, I don't know the, the shadow play thing I've always really appreciated and it has that fun kind of creepy otherworldly feel to it. True. Well, and eventually you can take hefting shadow where you can store objects in your shadow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of these it's, abilities, I, I don't think, you know, like they are, they seem to be related to, or maybe inspired. I'm not sure exactly, but they remind me a lot of uh, like the La Sombra from uh, world of darkness and uh, vampire, of the masquerade. Yeah. So yeah. I was like, wow, that's really cool. Yeah. And they do a lot in this section to expand on the, uh, the shadow plane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They talk a lot about the various places that the, that fetchlings could be from. They talk a little bit about, uh, what do they call it? Beacon, I think is mm-hmm. the shadow Absalom. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just, it's a fun it's section cool. and they are a fun and interesting race. Ancestry. So, mm-hmm. Ancestry. Thank you. Years and years of breaking habit. Yeah. So you want to tackle uh, the flesh warped Ross? Absolutely. So, <laughs> uh, flesh warps are a rare um, ancestry. So and they should they, be. They're weird. They are very unusual. Um, so, and you might have noticed that flesh warps kind of has become a sort of category in second edition, especially if you've been running the best areas. A lot of things are classified under flesh warp, um, which. Of course, it talks about a lot of the different ways this can happen. One of the most notorious ways in the Pathfinder, um, I guess, realm is uh, drow flesh warpers who practice their arts on people. Um, However, there's a lot of different ways for it to happen as well. Um, Certain things like you know, living in the mana waste uh, can yeah. cause flush warping um, or even exposure to this strange energy that comes out of things in Numeria that nobody knows what it is. Yeah. It's, it's radiation. <laughs> Drinking um, some Numerian <laughs> fluid. Hmm. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Don't the do worst that. that could happen. <laughs> you grow an extra oh, no. eyeball. Well, that's fine. You've grown a third arm. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Also, um, I think the the whole flesh warping of the idea of the, the strange mutations and everything else ties in a lot to uh, Lamash too as well, mm-hmm. uh, particularly Absolutely. early on. Uh, again, in the Adventure Path lines, not to spoil anything, but you have to deal with some uh, some crazy mutations because of Lamash mm-hmm. too as well. There's also mm-hmm. a question from the Discord from Loki. Uh, the question mm-hmm. reads, and I quote: "Flesh warp, WTF?" <laughs> I think so. The flesh warps are it's interesting to have that because it is sort of like a um, one thing that I think uh, it was actually Rick who said this. So I'm going to say it and take credit for it. Uh, (laughs) But uh, one thing that uh, Rick mentioned is that they kind of reminded him a lot of the um, it's an old school creature known as the mongrel man um, back in, I think like, you know, old school dungeons and dragons. Um, They they made the transition to first edition pathfinder also. They did. Yeah. I think they're in like, Bestiary two or three somewhere in there. I can't um, remember exactly where, but yeah, they made the jump. Yeah. But um, anyway, um, you know, it's kind of the idea of playing a character that is sort of this hodgepodge of a variety of different things, but I think it's a lot more interesting way to deal with it. Um, the sort of idea mm-hmm. that, you know, a lot of um, the flesh warped aren't necessarily 
it's not an ancestry in the common way we might think of it. It's sort of a thing you become become. or are um, rather than a thing you were necessarily born as all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, They do get a lot of benefits for it, by the way. I mean, you get 10 hit points um, for your ancestry, which is pretty big uh, (laughs) as well as a free constitution ability boost. So, you know, uh, it does come with some perks. Um, and you know, it does have a lot of different heritages depending on how you became flesh warped or, you know, what your flesh warp, I guess, um, derives from. Yeah. I think one of the most, um, interesting bits is like they have a flesh warp, um, you know, it looks like perhaps, a a halfling, um, carrying a lot of like Numerian technology, which I think is a really mm. interesting picture. Um, they have like a yeah. ripper, like chainsaw blade and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> I think um of the uh, of the feats my favorite is probably powerful guts mm. just because it mm. plays into this idea that as a flesh warp you've already kind of gone th- like you have this sort of like you are warped and um mishappen um but you are also very tough because of it um you're you're you don't work the same way as everybody else and so like when you succeed at fortitude save to reduce your second value you reduce it by two or three on a critical success um with this feat because you're just like eh my guts (laughs) don't usually work right most of the time so eh. Mm, um which yeah which i was like okay that's interesting also coating of slime it's just kind of an interesting one it's kind of a gross (laughs) ancestry a little bit, yes, but I don't know. I think they're interesting at the very least. I'd be interested to see a character like that, but true. Hmm. Yep. Well, next up are the Gonzi. They are the answer to the Aphorites. So they are the mm. uh, the a heritage born out of the untamable maelstrom, primal sea of all creation <laughs> and chaos. Chaos. Um, chaos. <laughs> I love them, and I wish to play one. I feel like I kind of play them a lot without actually playing them. Um, <laughs> But essentially, they are either born of mortals who mingled with uh, beings from the Maelstrom. They can have ties back to like Proteans, which is cool. Mm. Um, Valkyrie, all sorts of anything that's from the Maelstrom. Um, they, it says, uh, they resemble other members of their ancestry, but it is rare for chaos to manifest with any degree of subtlety. <laughs> So they yep. have big, bright tails or they have like the features that they get from this heritage are generally really flashy. Mm. Um, they have a tradition of like they choose their own name. So they have gift gift names, given names uh, versus their heart name, which is the one they choose for themselves, which is cool. Um, and it talks a little bit about where you can find them. Gnomes are pretty common as Gonzi, which makes a lot of sense. I think um, there's goblins that are like gonzi goblins near the sarkora scar there's halflings that have feathers instead of hair like all of these very fun um things i guess uh there are a handful of settlements that have uh gonzi in them but there aren't really a lot of settlements that are just gonzi because they have real bad wanderlust in general (laughs) which makes sense i think um they have a lot of really cool hair uh feats ancestry feats heritage feats i guess but my favorite one and the one that's probably just ridiculous is there's a 13th level feat called arise ye worthy um (laughs) you are descended from the valkyries who protect worthy souls and can hold back death's grasp you can cast breath of life as a divine innate spell once per day 
That's nice. Rad. That's pretty solid. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. So anyway, they're very cool, very chaotic. If you like high chaos, um, and they don't have to be chaotic, but their powers are chaotic. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, it might be really funny to play a very lawful neutral, but your like <laughs> genetics are fighting with you. Like that might be really funny. Yeah. It's like innately, I want to do these chaos things, but I have to, you know, constantly meditate to fight my, my heritage. Yeah. Cause you can get a tail my, that kind of does instincts. its own thing. Yeah. <laughs> so there's all sorts of weird things you can do. Uh, they're very cool. Very fun heritage. Yeah. Yep. So following that, we have the genie Mm-hmm. And the uh, the geniekin actually goes over the course of about twenty pages because this covers your afrit, your fire elemental, your oriad, your earth elementals, the suli, which are the balance of all, your mm-hmm. sylphs, which are the uh, air elemental, and your undine, which are the water elemental. And they go into a lot of detail about each one of them, what sections of the world they can be found in, how various uh, different ancestries, you know how the elves react to them or the dwarves react to them, you know, between like earth and fire and water and air. Uh, of course, you're going to have a lot more earth and fire with the dwarves and probably a lot more air and water with the elves, mm-hmm. but uh, they're fun. They're interesting. I really like the, the general mechanics to them. A uh, particular note, I will say, I do like that they have standard genie Ken feats, and then they provide different feats for each one of the different heritages that you take. Mm. And each of the heritages gets something like uh, four pages a piece. And so you get a wide variety of different options for each one of these. The, uh, the standouts for me from this are, um, first off, there's a Suli one. I've always liked the Suli just because of the idea of being the balance of yeah, all cool. four. Uh, and there is a Suli, I think it's fifth level feat called Elemental Bulwark, where it's a reaction that gives you elemental resistance when you take mm-hmm. damage from an element. So you're basically mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm taking fire damage. Okay, reaction to absorb said fire damage. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's basically nonstop. So as long mm-hmm. as you have a reaction available that turn, you can gain a five fire resistance or five electricity di- resistance awesome. and just change it every turn, yeah. uh, which really gets into like kind of personifying their jack of all trade i'm related to all of it um also i really like how they play into the idea of a variety of different elements despite the fact that you're something like so for instance the one that really stood out to me is the sylph which Mm. has a whole bunch of really cool you know delving into the different elemental types there's they kind of touch on what's the difference between just being air elemental versus something a little bit more like smoke Mm-hmm. Uh, which still touches on air and kind of goes back to that old AD and D thing of one of the, the para elemental planes where the elemental planes overlap. So when fire and air overlaps, it's the plane of smoke mm-hmm. earth and fire overlaps. It's the plane of lava. Yeah. So it delves back into that. And I always love when they kind of touch way deep into the roots, there, kind of do a deep cut mm-hmm. and also hands down my favorite piece of art in this entire book is mm-hmm. on page one fourteen which is the like smoke. Oh, he's cool. Uh, mm-hmm. or they're cool. Yeah. This, the smoke sylph character design, which is dream. just amazing. A little bit. A little yeah. bit. Yeah. With the gleaming eye and everything else. It's mm-hmm. like, it's that. And I think way earlier, there's a picture of like a Fox walking over a map or something and leaving little footprints everywhere. <laughs> I really liked mm-hmm. that one too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, could probably do a whole big thing on them, but 
Kitsune. Oh, uh, there is a question from both Rose and Ben on Discord. What is your favorite Genikin heritage? Uh, minus Suli. Mm-hmm. Mine is probably also Suli. I actually Even go for that self. Smoke. Yeah. Yeah. The smoke self is real cool. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they're all pretty cool. I'd say I just prefer the self, I suppose. Oh, yep. Cool. Heather's not here to defend the Undyne. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Take oh, that, well. Heather. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, I Speaking guess the people's kits- favorites, Kitsune. True. Kitsune, of course, uh, being a fan favorite amongst the uh, Pathfinder crowd. I know a lot of folks out there are big Kitsune fans. Um, in fact, uh, they will probably be very pleased with uh, with this entry because the Kitsune are, you know, I mean, first of all, they do a lot of the stuff they did in first edition. You've got the chain shape. Um, technically speaking, too, you can actually take a variety of alternative forms depending on your heritage feats. Um, it does, uh, take, uh, that take talk a, a bit about, um, different, uh, Kitsune settlements as well, which of course, you know, you've got, um, you know, the, uh, areas in Tianja, but, uh, it also talks about, uh, Kitsune in the crown of the world as well as in, um, Engen, which is actually a settlement in Taldor, which mm. I thought was pretty interesting. Mm. I didn't actually know that there were Kitsune native to Taldor. Um, but there you go. Um, for Taldor. Yeah, for Taldor. <laughs> uh, uh, let's see here. So, um, there's a number of different heritages, which sort of, uh, focus into what, um, your tie between, you know, Kitsune's of course are that sort of bridge between the spiritual and the physical. And so it kind of depends on how exactly you embody that is what your, your heritage is. Mm-hmm. Um, like the earthly wilds are close to the material world. So they tend to, uh, you know, deal with stuff where they're better at like fighting and that sort of thing, because that's, they're just more physical or more, I guess, real quote unquote. Um, whereas like the celestial envoy Kitsune um, are more strongly divine empowered. And so they can actually invoke like protections because they're closer to the spirits that, you know, all Kitsune technically hail from. Um, there's a number of different feat selections. Another interesting note about those is that you actually can also gain tails whenever you t- pick up an ancestry <laughs> feat. Um, yeah. So instead of like, you know, in first edition, they had that feat specifically for you gained a tail with like some corresponding power. Now, as you gain ancestry feats, you also grow additional tails if you choose. Although it does say yeah. that it is optional. You technically don't have to. Um, so if you just like the idea of one tail and prefer it, there you go. If you want to go for a full nine tailed Fox thing, there you go. Um, <laughs> Oh, there is a question. Yes. Uh, Rose on Discord asks, thoughts on Frozen Winds Kitsune, specifically being the, I live in a cold place, but then changing the magics they get to deal cold damage, therefore making those feats less useful in a winter campaign. So let's see here. Um, interestingly enough, the uh, heritage itself doesn't actually change your spells. Um, you just gain cold resistance and treat environmental cold effects as if they were one step less extreme. Um, let's see though. Uh, interestingly enough, I think there is a feat you can take for that. Uh, let me see if I can find that. <laughs> 
Maybe I have that confused oh. with something else, actually. While you're looking that up, uh, my, yeah. my, I think my general thoughts on it are is, you know, sometimes I think sometimes it's okay to just have a theme where it's just like I'm from a winter area. I get cold things. Maybe that makes me less effective against magical creatures in my area. Mm. However, it's every creature in your area is not going to necessarily have the cold effect. And sometimes it kind of plays to the theme. So I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. It might not be mechanically speaking the most beneficial. It's kind of that whole thing of, uh, you know, oh, well, if I'm going to be doing something and I'm going to be fighting against fire elemental stuff, then I want to play somebody that focuses on cold elemental stuff, despite the fact that I come from a desert area and a school of magic that really focuses on fire. Mm. Um, so because the, the trade off is, you know, you have cold resistance. I actually don't see anything about it changing your damage type either. No, mm. I'm not seeing anything like that. I'm not even seeing a feat that does that, actually. But I mean, maybe there is Rose the f- knows something more than we do. Maybe. maybe. Um, or it could have <laughs> been maybe there was an option in first edition that's like that. I don't know. Mm, um, potential. But um, for Foxfire, like there is a, like the feat Foxfire, which is the feat I was going to talk about anyway. So um, <laughs> where uh, your tail actually wisps, uh, like glows with wisps of blue energy. And then you can actually make a ranged unarmed attack with these wisps um, that deals uh, damage of either fire or electric uh, electricity. Um, it counts as a sling weapon too, for the purposes of like um, critical effects and stuff like that, <laughs> which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, oh, okay. I yeah. see. If you're a frozen wind Katsuna, your Foxfire deals cold damage instead of electricity or fire. That might be what she's referring to there. Uh, um, ah, but that I think sense. that in, in that case, then I think what uh, Rick was talking about definitely applies. It's like, yeah, my cool like tail whip thing may not necessarily always be handy, but I think it's still kind of like a neat thing. And it is a first level feat. So, I mean, it's not going to be, you know, world shattering, I think probably most of the time. Sometimes it's a bit more form over function. Mm -hmm. True. True. All right. Now the best thing in this whole book. (laughs) What you're waiting for. Uh, They are sprites. They are tiny, rare, uh, fey. So it's a, it's a rare ancestry. Uh, they are mercurial little pranksters who just are very whimsical and exuberant and excited. Um, and so fun. They're so fun. So many cute, fun things. Um, their <laughs> names are just whatever they feel like them being. They get a speed of 20. Uh, they're going to have dexterity and intelligence as their boosts. And then something free. And then their flaw is strength, which makes sense because they're tiny. Um, They do get low light vision and magical strikes, which is cool because it means all of your strikes are magical no matter what, essentially. So whether it's hitting someone with your fist or using a weapon, it's going to count as magic, which is really handy. Uh, It talks a lot about uh, where sprites are, but essentially anywhere that the first world has influence. Mm -hmm. Um, really anywhere because once they get here they probably just wander around right they're sprites uh there's all different (laughs) types of sprites that i didn't even know existed uh there's draxies which are like little fairy dragon looking things there's the kind that are like your common like firefly sprites the way you think about sprites as a classical thing uh there's griggs uh which play uh there that's the guy on the cover with the cricket legs Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh there's melixies which have the little wings uh Nycteras, which are the best ones because they are bats and they are adorable. 
And there's pixies, which are like the trickster types. So mm -hmm. uh, those are all the heritages. There's also like luminous if you want to like shed light as a torch. Uh, there is a heritage for you to take. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. You can, the all feats are amazing. Fantasies. I can't even, there's a feat that lets you take a corgi mount, a corgi specifically. Um, yeah. oh. There's. They are magical. There are beasts. so many good mm -hmm. ones. Uh, there's one called Catchy Tune. You create a tune so catchy your foes can't help but dance along. You get to make a performance check against their will DC. And um, if you're successful, they they are slower because they're dancing. Uh, <laughs> so there's lots and lots of very fun fey things that go on here. But the best, my favorite piece of art in this entire book is on page 130. And it is one of those little... Uh, I forget where the bats are from, but they're the ones that are white and they have the yellow like ears and nose leaves. But he's Ooh. a little uh, sprite bat guy with little bat armor with his hood off, but his hood has a place for his ears and he has a crossbow. It's amazing. I already told Rick <laughs> if I if I if I die in our second edition campaign, I'm playing a Drax, uh, not a Draxy, a, <laughs> uh, a sprite, a little bat friend, Nactera strike sprite. Yep. So. Ah, it is rare, so I'll have to cons. It is rare, so I'll have to consider it. If you so. kill me, your punishment is I get to play a sprite. <laughs> <laughs> They're so uh, cute. I'll I'll wade into that a little bit later on in my views on like the rare and the uncommon for this, and uh, and honestly, why I like it. But anyway, uh, they are fun. They're so ancestry good. though. They're so good. So, and that leads us to the uh, the last of the new ancestries and heritages, which are the Strix. I was very excited for the addition of the Strix in here because they mm -hmm. are kind of a quintessential Pathfinder ancestry. Yeah, they're cool. Uh, they've I've always been intrigued with them since they were like since probably the first time I read about them, which I think was in the uh, the little thin um, was it Chiliac's Empire of Devils or something mm. book that they put out way back in the three. I might have still been three point five days back then. But yeah, they're mm. winged humanoids uh, that tend to live. Uh, Mostly in southeastern sections of Avistan. And so in the areas of Chiliax, the uh, Minador Mountains, just kind of uh, it, up into what is now Ravenel and then Nidal, uh, Nidal or Nidal, your, your preference. Uh, and then further east, I think all the way into maybe Isgur. Mm. And they're, they're very intriguing ancestry in large part because they kind of fall into that, like they're... Yeah, they kind of bring this uh, the ferocious vengeance and devotion above all else that they're a little bit xenophobic, mm. but at the same time, they are very strong community driven people that have had to watch their land steadily be taken over by Taldor and then eventually by mm. Chiliax and all the rest of that. Uh, so I find them very, a very interesting choice and a quintessential Pathfinder ancestry. So they're winged humanoids. And so it kind of gets into the whole idea of having a PC that can fly. Now, importantly, they can't fly from first level. Mm. Uh, I think at first level, you can take a feat that means that you can slow fall, no matter like it's the equivalent of feather fall, no matter how far you fall from. Uh, you then get to the point where it's like you can fly for short periods. Um, you can kind of like hop along. I think you actually have to be 13th level before you can get flight all the time. Mm. So it still balances itself like that. Even though there's a part of me that goes, how unbalancing would it have been to give it a little bit earlier than that? Yeah. Yeah, that's a long time to wait. 
Plus yeah. it means I a mean, lot of Strix don't necessarily fly, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's it's that strange thing where I think the Strix as a <laughs> as a species and probably as an encounter, they're probably all capable of flight. It's just that if you're choosing to mm. play a Strix, your Strix is not capable of it. Not a good And flyer. so it's it gets into that mechanics versus the setting or the narrative, the story to it. Mm-hmm. And so trying to find a balance between those, I can understand, can be very difficult. True. Um, I do want to say that I particularly enjoy the Songbird Strix, where um, you're descended from a li- line of Strix storytellers, and uh, you can fill your lungs with glorious clean air. You trill, whistle, and coon sweet songs. <laughs> um Yep. So basically it just gives you a, you're more or less a very musical Strix. And they even have a like whole sidebar about Strix storytelling. So True. And there it's are a those, lot of fun. There are those rules about flying at the beginning of the section so that yes. you can re-up on those if you're going to play a Strix. Yeah. So, but still they're very fun. They're very interesting. And I think they tie in great to just the, the flavor and the feel for the setting. True. So... I guess that gets us into the uh, the last chapter. And again, I use that term very loosely mm-hmm. uh, as it is two pages. <laughs> it is yeah. very short. <laughs> so short, I um, almost missed it. <clears throat> yeah. In, in short, it's just uh, ancestral gear. It's a whole bunch of uh, weapons, some fun weapon traits and all the rest that ties in there. The only thing I really had to mention about it, and I think they even mentioned it in a side little blurb here. Uh, each of the weapons listed in table 1-1 and 1-2 are detailed below. Uh, Grimpleys and uh, Conrassus, not familiar, uh, appear in Pathfinder Lost Omens Molongi Expanse. So it's another occasion where they're actually talking about something that's not even quite out yet. It's kind of future proofing it. And mm-hmm. it's a lot of the, there's only what, like maybe 15 weapons given, and th- at least three of them are for Grimpleys, which is a pretty yeah. hefty yeah. proportion, all things. It, it almost feels like they'd finished this. They'd also finished that and then realized we actually want to include more Gripply stuff, mm. but we don't have enough room there. And that it kind of felt like they needed the extra mm. material for this book. Yeah. It's Not weird. necessarily as too much of a dig, but it's kind of interesting. There are some cool things like the whip claw and I do like the wish blade and the wish knife. Mm-hmm. Um, I want a tricky pick. <laughs> uh, <laughs> tricky pick. <laughs> it's a cobalt weapon and it's like it it's full of like different little traps and stuff inside of it which is why you can change it to any of the attack types it's amazing yep. that is really cool mm-hmm. it's like it's my pick but it also it's got a hammer on the other side and also I have a tiny little knife that pops there's up like the bottom a, like a, yeah, a spring loaded like <laughs> knife that just pops out and it's like ha ha I gotcha yep. so, True. it's a very cobalt weapon I mean, it literally is a cobalt weapon. It is. but So, yeah. And then after that's the uh, the Glossarian Index, which is cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I think it's like four pages. Like, there's mm-hmm. a lot in the Glossarian Index on this one. Mm. So, yeah. So, do we have any uh, questions that we were not able to address whenever we're going over the other stuff? We do. Or uh, we could give our closing thoughts, whichever we prefer. We have, um, we've already talked about the Gripley's thing. We have, mm-hmm. um, if you could, let me... If you could rebuild or change one of your current characters with new things from this book, what would you change out? I would maybe make Grim and Asimor. Mm. I think it'd be kind of an interesting direction to take for him. Uh, Yeah. 
especially one of the Asimar directions that's a little more related to nature because, you know, Graham Wally is kind of classic dwarf and all the rest mm-hmm. of that. You know, he loves seeing things grow and, you know, planting his that's trees true. and watering his garden and all the rest of that. So kind of connecting a little bit more with that side. And that, again, I love the, uh, the whole like mythology that dwarves put around them where it's like they were forged by Torak himself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would have begged really hard to play a sprite in Hell's Rebels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think, I mean, I'm actually pretty satisfied with uh, Nicolo as is, but um, I, if he were in a different campaign, I might've made him a Kyle or a Fetchling. Um, yeah. I think that yeah. would have been pretty interesting. I mean, I really but. like Adria. It's just that I really want to play a sprite and we only have one second edition <laughs> game. So at the moment, <laughs> oh, I guess I say. Clove could be a, str- a sprite. Oh yeah, true. Clove might actually work better barbarian. as a sprite. That would be cute yeah. and weird. Oh, that would be amazing. I want to play a sprite barbarian. Okay, I'm in. Never mind. Clove will be a sprite. That would. That's what I would be. That's what I would. Or a thimble as a helmet. Anyway. Oh my god! <laughs> I'll use a pine cone as a bludgeoning weapon. Yeah, yep. why not? Awesome. It's a mace. I'll attach to a uh, stick. And that was from Not So Free Willy. Uh, the second question. We've talked about this a little bit, but uh, Lewis on the Discord asked, what feats have the best naming? Uh, we talked about all the great names as we went, but I didn't know if there yeah. was one specifically you wanted to mention. I mean, Wheelix. I think just for the pure punniness of it, catnap. Yeah, true. Mm. It's like, hold on, guys. I need to take a catnap. And it's like, I lay down for 10 minutes. I get back up. Good to go. I mean, final form thing was tell- great. Yeah. Final form. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so good. I love it. Um, winglets, I love it just because it's like it, it's a kobold and you get little tiny wings and it's neat. Nice. So, yeah. If you were going to create a new PC on the spot, which ancestry from the book would you choose? Ooh, tough one. Let me beat a horse. Uh, a sprite with the Gonzi <laughs> heritage. <laughs> oh, jeez. Chaos. Um, <laughs> I think um, personally, I I'd probably lean toward orc because I really like how the orcs are mm. are developing. I just I like orcs. Yeah, they're um, cool. I'm with you. But if the of the new ones, maybe an android would be a lot of fun. I kind of like mm. it. Yeah, but, yeah. I'm not gonna lie. I've I've really enjoyed reading over the Strix section, and so I think mm. playing a Strix, playing a Strix bard, that'd be cool. That, uh, oh, that, that just kind of awesome. goes around, just whistles. <laughs> um, kind of one with nature, maybe a bard with the druid dedication. Mm. And uh, I kind of Disney princess that as I walk out and little birds come down and land on my hands. So amazing. The, the next question Fantastic. is about favorite feats. We've already kind of gone through all of our favorite feats. So I'm going to skip sure. that question. Um, and then Although thanks for asking that. Uh, ben. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Ben also asked, he has another question. He has another question. Oh, there we go. Uh, favorite cultural feature mentioned in the book? Oh, I think I already mentioned the dwarves, mm. uh, Asmar dwarves thing, which was great. So I'm going to go with the, uh, the Olfen beastkin sidebar. That, I that thought that cool. that was really interesting. I thought that was really, especially when they mentioned like having us, like having long houses to lock beasts up in for the full mm-hmm. moon so they don't hurt anybody. Mm. Um, like where they just throw giant feasts. So there's so much food in there. They're not even interested in leaving the long house. I'm like, yes, that's, that's I love the idea good. behind this. It's so fun. I mean, I like yes. the halfling section of the Dampier entry, like the idea mm. that they're mm. just so happy and so happy, go lucky and community driven that 
you know, you might be a little goth. You might have little fangs. You might try to bite your sister, but it's fine. It, just to throw this out there real quick, not to take a second turn on doing this, but uh, I don't have it immediately open in front of me. The Tifling section where they're talking about uh, Tifling, Halfling Tiflings talks about how time. much. Yeah, but it also talks about how much the Chalexian government fears mm-hmm. uh, Halfling Tiflings. <laughs> And how mm-hmm. so they like go out of the way to like try to hunt them down and everything because I think they're like they'll give the other halflings ideas and they're infused with powers and we can't have halflings with power. Halflings are just the so best. So it's like God, uh, it's so great. <laughs> Need to play a halfling. Yep. One of these days, all halfling campaign. Yeah. <laughs> yes, let's do it. <laughs> Everyone um, can take whatever heritage you want, but all halfling. Yeah. Campaign. <laughs> oh, that's rad. <laughs> Sounds fun to me. Um. You know, I think I like a lot of the expansion on Tengu of Galarian. Um, I, I This isn't necessarily because it's partially um, given to the feats, but I do like a lot of the references to like the Tengu mythology and like the origination of that. Um, like the uh, feather fan is one of the things you can get. Mm-hmm. You can actually get like... Um, you can actually make it as a magic item that you can, that only you can use to use your Tengu magic, which I think is great. Like that really ties into like some of the original Japanese legends, um, which, you know, makes it very enjoyable for me. Yeah. Yeah. And those are all the questions I have. I don't see any others in the chat. Um, So we can do our final like closing thoughts if you want. Yeah. So, uh, Generally speaking, I would say that I'm probably 90, like 95% happy with this book. Like mm-hmm. the only, uh, the only small beef that I might have with the book is that tiny third chapter, mm. which is, uh, you which know, I would have liked some more, I would have liked some more ancestry weapons for ancestries in this book. Yeah. Um, also the, if I'm going to nitpick, um, I like the layout choice to divide the expanded and the new ancestries between the first chapter and the second chapter. Um, that way, if you have a character that you want more options, you can go to the first part. If you're making a new character, you can go to the second part. I like that the way that that works. However, mm-hmm. I think I would have preferred if the ancestries and heritages were separated inside of the chapters yes. in the same way. Mm-hmm. So if it had had the ancestries at the front and then the heritages at the back or vice versa. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Either it, way is fine. It's just, yeah. Because it feels like it might have been a little bit easier if you're, especially if you're directing a new player, that's something, you know, if, if they played through a game before and then they kind of come back and they're like, well, I'm wanting to play an orc, but, or, you know, I'm wanting to play a halfling, but I want to do something new with it. It's like, oh, well, they, you can play a halfling and you can have some of these options. Mm-hmm. Uh, little known fact, Heather loves elves. And uh, <laughs> so being able to go, okay, Heather, you can play your elf, but look at all these options now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that would that would be a little bit more useful to her, I believe. It's just kind of strange. Yeah. I can imagine they might've had a lot of arguments about how to lay that out because that seems yeah. like one of those, somebody made that call and they're there. It, it doesn't feel like it could have been unanimous. I could be wrong, but if I worked yeah. at yeah. Paizo, I would have been like, uh, are you sure? Yeah. yeah. That's a pretty, I mean, it's a big gripe because it, impacts the way that you're able to easily find information but the content yeah. is so good that like who cares true yeah <laughs> well again that's why i'm saying i'm, I'm 95 yeah. happy with this book for sure um do you have any thoughts on that russ or uh yeah i think um as with a lot of the lost omens books um i know that there's always like this sort of idea that 
some of these books are crunchy or that sort of thing. And certainly this book is crunchier than some of the other Lost Omens books in that, you know, a lot of it mm-hmm. is feet choices, mm. heritage choices. Yeah. However, it doesn't feel like, um, you know, to use the term splat book, it doesn't feel like one of those. Um, it doesn't yeah. feel yeah. like we've just put it in a bunch of options. Some of them are maybe balanced. Good luck. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. like there was a lot of thought that went into each one of these choices. Um, yeah. yeah. And so I think it's, I, I'm really liking that the lost omens line is, is, um, directed toward that. Because it helps expand options and give cool new things you can do without me having to go, oh, there's a new book out. All right, let me see what the overpowered stuff is so I can try to get ahead of this. Um, <laughs> try you know, to get ahead uh, of this. Yeah, try. I will fail, but I will try now. Um, but like, no, <laughs> yeah. I think I think they do a really good job of balancing all of this, not only with other options in the book, but with the options that came before yeah. it. So I just wanted to give kudos for that. Yeah. I mean, I agree. It kind of flows into a little bit of a, one of my, one of my thoughts I've hinted at this a couple of times is I'm, I'm actually a big fan of the fact that almost that everything in this book is either uncommon or rare. Mm -hmm. And in large part, it's because, you know, I know there's the whole, like, I know I find myself oftentimes on both sides of the debate, but there is the debate between, you know, players and encouraging, you know, players to be able to explore their own creative ideas and also allowing game masters to have their story and be able to explore the story in the way that they want to do so. And so by offering up the fact that all of these are uncommon, then it technically gives the GM the ability to say, you know, Hey, I think the Strix are really interesting, but I'm doing a game that's playing, taking place in T and Shaw. And I just don't feel like the Strix would fit here. It's a rare ancestry. Mm. No, but Tengu are cool. Um, yeah, but yeah. Tengu are cool. It's like, you, but Tengu, I'll make Tengu, you know, common in this area, or you know, I, I, I easily allow them to be uh, mm-hmm. to play it or play Kitsune or play anything else like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I think by allowing or by making everything in common or rare, it gives you that opportunity to just go. If it would be something where you know I'm doing strange aeons. Mm. And having someone play a tiny little fey, you know, character that can fly and do all the rest of this stuff and all this other craziness would not only possibly interfere with some of the encounters that I'm wanting to do, but also undercut the very narrative that I'm running for, Mm. you know, the story and the feel of the story. Then I think giving that power back to the game masters, not necessarily as a way to say no, but as a way to say, come up with something that's fits better with the narrative. Mm-hmm. Uh, so gives you an opportunity to work with your players. Yeah. And I mean, I I'll, was, I'll oh, also yeah. say that I've been converting a five E module recently into second edition. And it's really nice because if I'm going in and I want to find a scroll or a wand or some magic thing, I can just look at that uncommon rare stuff to give them because that's something that's like, they wouldn't have taken it's there. Mm. And because it's rare, it's something that it's like, well, I didn't even know that existed. Cool. So it's kind of, it's, it's fun when you're picking treasure yeah. too. Yeah. I like it. And I did, I saw an idea somewhere. Um, I can't remember where it was, where it was um, every two levels allow a player to choose. Like uh, players can basically choose a uncommon choice every two levels. Mm. And, uh, or you can save that up and choose a rare choice every four levels. 
And so it kind of gives you an idea of like, I can bank this, I can get a couple of rare things, but it's still, you know, I'm not using something out of one of the adventure path books where I'm just like, I really like this archetypes first level feats. So I'm going to jump in and take this. It's like, um, so your character is a member of a super secret organization only known inside of Ustalov. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's, I, I like the way that it works where it makes, I feel like it instead makes characters more special um mm. specialer uh by allowing certain characters to be the only people to get those options and so i think the same thing can kind of flow into this especially if you're willing to do a rotation where mm. it's like okay you know in this adventure path we can have three common ancestries one in common ancestry and one rare ancestry talk amongst yourselves the five of you figure out who gets what and then you're out <laughs> of the running the next time so you can play a, it's like yeah you can play a, a strix this time but you know next time it'll be jessica's turn to play whatever rare crazy <laughs> character she wants so <laughs> i also like the idea of doing something like <laughs> yeah. that where it it's a little more democratic if you will mm-hmm. <laughs> That's actually a really good idea. Yeah. I think that could um, be very good for a lot of groups, especially if it's one of those, you know, you're kind of having a hard time balancing between a lot of people want to play like these sort of unusual, very, you know, um, uncommon or rare ancestries. But at the same time, you know, it's like, okay, so is anybody like from here? Play a, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, we're playing a game in uh, the land of the Norum Kings and everybody's from like, you know, um, Southern Garund or just all you know, like Tian yeah. or something. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, um, why are we all here again? <laughs> you know, yeah. so and instead it just works better. Hell's Rebels, an example. Um, mm-hmm. Check out our Hell's Rebels actual play. Uh, yeah. And also, I think uh, the PDF for the player's guide uh, conversion is already up on our Patreon. Mm-hmm. But I think I mentioned in there that it's like Tiflings and Tingu, I just consider them to be common yeah. in Cantargo mm-hmm. because they are. You just see are. a lot of them. Uh, mm-hmm. Heck, I even, I think I made a mention on there that it's like I would even allow someone to play Strix if they wanted to. Um, mm-hmm. Although, mind you, like Strix wasn't Strix out wasn't out, at the time. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and I don't think any, anyone was as interesting as like you know, jumping on the whole you know, Tiefling, Tiefling bandwagon. Hello. But, uh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> although, if someone came to me and said, what about Silver Ravens? But all kobolds, I would have gone. Pretty cool. Hmm. <laughs> Pretty great. <laughs> Fun so ravens, but all Tengu. Um, <laughs> all Tengu. All, all Tengu all the time. <laughs> oh. So, yeah. Anybody think, have any other uh, last thoughts? Uh, nope. And I don't see any other questions in the chat. So I think it might be time to uh, wrap up. All right. All right. Well. Yeah, thank you all for joining us this evening. Uh, it was a little bit, a little bit of a longer one, but we had a lot to say about what is honestly one of the best second edition books that I think I've gotten my hands on. Yeah, you got to get this, this book, y'all. Uh, it's a whole it's lot of good. fun. It provides a whole lot of new options and interesting things that you can do. I think it's a great companion piece to um, uh, what was the uh, other. Ancestry advanced, players book came, advanced players guide that came out with all the, mm. the various ancestries there and giving you a chance to really flesh out that and the sheer amount of lore related to the lost omen settings and how these mm-hmm. ancestries play into it is just a lot of fun um mm-hmm. honestly Magnifique. it's just a fun read and i feel like it's a it's a wonderful balance of uh you know it's a wonderful balance between like crunchy and Mm-hmm. and fluff it's a it's this great combination i'm trying to think of a food that really mixes it's with like that a brownie like a, with nuts in it yeah yes yes mm-hmm. 
like a wonderfully fluffy brownie with soft and chewy pecans. but occasionally yeah. there's a pecan a caramel yeah. topping mm-hmm. I want a brownie. <laughs> ah, i'm really hungry now mm-hmm. so let's go ahead and stop the stream so we can go get something to eat True. Uh, yep. yeah so that's going to be it for us this week uh hopefully you guys can check back with us in two weeks where i believe we're talking about something else uh, i don't think we've announced it quite yet mm-hmm. but stay tuned Mm-hmm. Uh, and as always, you can hop on here and join uh, Jess and Jordan for some gaming. I think Ross was in one recently, and uh, yeah. I think we've got some plans in the future to hopefully get a little bit more of the entire crew involved in that. Yep. So uh, other than that, stay tuned for uh, fun upcoming things from us. And if y'all don't have anything else, then until next time, good luck, Pathfinders. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye.